Welcome to Gone to Texas, a podcast about AMC's Preacher. My name is Alex, and I have not read any of Garth Ennis's Preacher. And I'm Nick, and I have read all of Garth Ennis's Preacher. Today, we will be discussing episode two of the show, titled C, that's S-E-E. Uh, while we will not be spoiling any of the comic, and by extension, any future plot lines of the show, we will be discussing the details of the series through episode two, so pause this and go watch the show before you listen to the rest of the episode. You can find more episodes of our podcast at g2tpodcast.com. That's the letter G, the number two, and the letter T, podcast.com. We're also g2tpodcast on Twitter. And you can send feedback to g2tpodcast at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on AMC's Preacher so we can read them on air. Send us corrections, observations, anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. Uh, I did actually get g2tpodcast at gmail because it was Sweet. stupid that two of them were g2t podcast and one of them was g2t feedback <laughs> so uh, good good foresight on you know, my behalf gotta streamline it where you can yep so we can get right into it here uh this episode opens i think they traditionally call this the teaser at least that's what the breaking bad crew would call it uh but it's kind of the cold open of the show um We've got a man in 1881 going on a journey to get medicine for his sick daughter. Uh, there's kind of a family that he has dinner with, and they're kind of talking about how they're foraging into paradise, and he asks if this mysterious shadowy figure thinks it's paradise, and he just says, it ain't. So uh, we don't know who this guy is. I don't know who this guy is, but Nick Nick knows this man. I do. Yeah. I know him very well. <laughs> so, uh, I don't necessarily want to talk too much. Uh, you, you're happy with the casting? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, if, if anyone has listened to any of the, the film nerds, there there have been, I think, multiple episodes where we've heaped praise on Graham McTavish. Yes. And I really like Graham McTavish, which mm. is funny because I always think he's in Dog Soldiers, but he's not. <laughs> but he's so good in Rambo that, mm-hmm. like, I think that's where my love of him initially stemmed. I was like, "Who is this guy?" Yeah, he's he's just excellent. He's popped up in a whole ton of stuff. But you, but you like him for who you know he's playing. It, oh, in regards to this show, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think it's a lot of the cast. It kind of extends to the overall casting of the show. I think there's a lot of kind of not off the wall, but just interesting casting. There's nothing too too crazy yet where i'm just like what i don't even know what to think for the most part it's either dead on or it's it's interesting mm-hmm. he's interesting okay i think he's very capable but i'm I'm curious with where what direction the character is going to go in as i am with pretty much all the characters and i saw some people online are uh are somewhat surprised that this character has been introduced this early are you surprised as well no no okay good to know we'll check in more on him later uh at some point in the series because that's kind of all we get in this episode as far as i know uh we can break into act one now we've got jesse still not helping tulip with her job which is kind of a recurring theme throughout these two episodes (laughs) uh cassidy is doing odd jobs around the church and wants to kind of get paid for it or something he also meets Arsface face for the first time Mm -hmm. it's a pretty good reaction out of him and uh so anything in there that you want to talk about? We talked a little bit earlier about Jesse and Tulip and how that might get tired pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good that that is a good thing to talk about cuz I <clears throat> 
to without without you know obviously we got to kind of be careful what we say because we don't want to ruin anything for anybody who plans on reading or hasn't read uh but tulip is very different in the show than she is in the book she's the most different character so far i would say mm-hmm. with on the other side of the coin cassidy being the most accurate character so far which is really cool because i mean the book is i mean it's a huge story and there's a lot of characters but it's essentially at its core largely about the relationship between jesse cassidy and tulip so it's cool that Jesse's kind of in the middle. He's not too different or too similar. Uh, but Cassidy is like perfect adaptation and Tulip is a reimagining. Yeah. So it's kind of neat that this is all swirling around and that the, the chemistry is all still kind of sorting itself out. It's cool. But um, I do agree that it, that is getting a little exhausting because it's kind of at the point where by the end of this episode, I was kind of like, okay, like he doesn't want to do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Leave him alone. Yeah. We're not even really seeing Jesse waver on it at all. No. So it, it's kind of getting, it, it feels like she's hitting a brick, brick wall. And like, she's also not elaborating whatsoever on what it is. Yeah. There's a slight, you get a little bit more later in the episode yeah. about it's for somebody named Danny, but it's not enough and... to make me even intrigued in, as to what it is. Okay. So, it is. It is getting. It is wearing a little bit thin. I'm hoping it by episode three they've kind of cracked into what this thing is and why she needs Jesse so much. Okay. Yeah. We'll see. Um, and then other things that happened in the first act. Uh, first time we really see Jesse get angry at a man who's confessing to his pedophile-like thoughts. I think that's kind of what the show. I was a little confused the first time I watched it of like what the filmmaking was trying to tell us about. Jesse kind of tunes out of the conversation a little bit, but I think upon second viewing, it seems like he's kind of growing enraged with the fact that this man could be so vile. Yeah. Yeah, the show so far is definitely... You you said last episode that Jesse seems lighter in tone. He does. Well, the where we meet Jesse in the show is he's pretty different than where we meet him in the books. Yeah. I think in the books, he's more further down the path. He's been there for a while. Yes. People and, around and, him are terrible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The book and the movie, or I mean the show so far, it hasn't really strayed from that idea that in general there are good people, but most of them are loathsome and, yeah. and have these dark, awful secrets that they say they want to get better about and they want to repent for and they want to be forgiven for, but do they really is kind of this theme. Yeah. So, and it even is mentioned in dialogue in that scene where the guy's like, "I mean, I'm good, right? I'm I'm absolved." Yeah. He's like, I gotta, like, I've confessed. You, and... Yeah. And Jesse says, "You gotta, you really have to mean it, though. Like, yeah. you, have to, you have to want it." So, this is something that I think is also kind of dabbled in in like Daredevil, for example. Not yeah. not to such a degree, but in, in a way, that's one of those things where in in that in those stories, Daredevil is constantly struggling with whether whether his actions are right or wrong. Yeah. He thinks although they does the end justify the means, and he frequently is like repenting for what he's done, but. Is he really sorry? Yeah. Because he kind of loves it. So that's <laughs> uh, that's kind of... I, I like that the show isn't... The show is not straying whatsoever from anything religious, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Like, there's a fight scene in a church in mm-hmm. this in this episode that we'll talk a little bit more about. But I do... I, I In the first episode, I wasn't as sold with Jesse, but I kind of like taking this part of the journey with him as a yeah. viewer. I think it's kind of interesting watching where I think he'll wind up. I'm, I'm, I could be wrong, so we'll see. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, at the end of Act Two, or at the end of Act One, we see Jesse quiet a dog with his powers. So <laughs> that's another interesting wrinkle in that he can. Maybe command. that's why he tunes out. He's just like, God, that dog is annoying. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you, you hear the dog at the time, you're kind of like, God, like, does he have super hearing too? <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, it could be. 
I think Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are pretty clever. And I think yeah. maybe they're drawing this. I think they're working on a lot of levels that I haven't begun to peel away yet. And I think that maybe there's even drawing a comparison between what this guy is saying and this dog barking. And it's just white noise. It's just mm-hmm. loud sound. Yeah. It doesn't have any real meaning to it. Yeah. All right. So that's the end of Act 1. Uh, Act 2, we open with the Quincannon meat and packing truck on the highway. We meet uh, Odin Quincannon for the first time, uh, played by Jackie Earl Haley, which is awesome. Uh, we kind of see their operation and that they're kind of ousting local cattle farmers from their land for something. We don't really know what quite yet. So I, you, I think, remarked last episode that you felt, or no, I think it was in while we were watching the pilot, you felt as though Quinn Cannon, that might be appearing a little bit earlier than... That's way early. Yeah, yeah that was near the tail end of the of the series. Uh, it's cool though. I think, uh, it seemed to me like they're pretty much just buying up, buying out like poor farmers yeah. just using, just basically mono- starting to monopolize the meat industry in the mm-hmm. town. Uh, but Jack Earl Haley is really good casting. Yeah. He's always turns in just like really great performances. He's always a, a treat. Very happy to see him in the show. Yeah. Uh, we get a little bit more of Tulip goading Jesse into trying to help her, which we've already spoken about. And then we get, uh, some, some, a pretty solid conversation between Jesse and Cassidy about God's plan and, and kind of their own personalities and their differences. Uh, basically the main thing Jesse says, uh, boring is not the worst thing a person could be. And Jesse says, I think you're wrong. Boring's the worst. And then they kind of Cassidy, excuse me. And they both kind of laugh about it. Yeah. That scene was interesting because it has moments of real chemistry and camaraderie between those two. And there were some, just angles of that scene where like the line deliveries didn't feel as natural. It was really interesting. It definitely felt like a lot of uh, several takes cut together. And no. it felt like there were some okay. moments where they really nailed it. The, uh, the relationship and the, and the, the friendship between those two is really interesting in the comic. And it's, it's frequently like really funny. Like frequently in the book, Tulip is always just like nauseated by Cassidy. And she's like, why do you hang around this guy? <laughs> because Jesse is in general, despite whatever, bad things he may do he's a good really good person at heart and that never wavers in the in the book like everyone always knows like he's a good guy even though he does like really some some pretty you know awful stuff yeah maybe not awful but questionable and like Cassidy, breaking a man's arm and yeah exactly one. and then not really not really feeling too bad about it um and so everyone kind of recognizes that and so there's a lot of these times where they're kind of like what are you doing with this guy because <laughs> cassidy's <laughs> yeah. clearly so like it just, seems like the organist is kind of playing that a little bit more she's because she's a little more involved with the church true. and cassidy's around there she's kind of filling in that role a little bit i think her name is emily now that i've actually yeah, i feel bad that i don't know her name because she's I, like i actually like her she's a good character yeah so so i think she's kind of filling that and like role i said tulip bit. is so different like tulip yeah. in the book is much more of a straight arrow with like kind of a she she's kind of almost like Karen again not to talk about Daredevil all the time but she's kind of like Karen in Daredevil where she's like good but she, there are hints of something in the in her background that are a little bit off but anyway but she um, can she can take care of herself I did forget to thing. mention I did like in the baptism moment at the opening of the episode when he when he dunks Tulip I really liked what she what she like just gives flashes in that big smile yeah. in the water. and I, again it's just that presence that the actress has she's just very interesting and yeah. makes these weird choices and I'm just kind of like huh that's cool I like yeah. that. She's got. She's definitely got some character to her. It might not yes. be Tulip, but yeah, that's true. So, all right. But and, I did, yeah, that was a good scene between those two. Yeah, absolutely. I like getting a little bit more about Cassidy. You get Cassidy bearing all to Jesse, kind of being like, 
I'm a 119 year old vampire like that. He told him straight up, this yeah. is what I am. And cause he knew maybe because he knew Jesse would laugh it right. off. But so that's kind of interesting. Oh man. I just can't wait to watch the evolution of Cassidy. It's going to be, <laughs> he's so, he's so good. That casting is so, so, so good. Yeah. Casting. <laughs> so, uh, basically Jesse takes a drink out of this weird concoction that Cassidy has made. He passes out. Cassidy takes his keys and wallet to go and get some alcohol, presumably. And then uh, we see the strange men from last episode where it ended. Uh, they're in a hotel room with a huge case that's got something in it, and they seem to be heading out. So that's where Act 3 ends. Or Act 2 ends. Act 3 opens on this weird animation of something inside of Jesse's body uh, and then pulls out to see the strange men standing over his passed out body. And they seem to be performing some kind of extraction ritual uh and apparently like the the thing that he's singing one of the men is singing is winkin blinkin and nod some mm-hmm. kind of poem from the 1800s yeah it's like a nursery rhyme yeah so uh i expect you you know more about this than i thought you did because i didn't think you would know i don't like i don't know what context this comes in the sh- in the in the comics so try to dance around that a little bit but where I was like, I was really off put by him starting to sing in the middle of the show. Did that? That doesn't really happen. Okay. In the book. Not, no. <laughs> but, but you took it better than I did. Cause I remember looking over at you when you were watching it and I was like, he's not phased by this at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's preacher. Like there's a lot of, there's, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be like, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah. It didn't, no, it is, it is weird. And I, I figured out who those two characters are and the one, one of them is perfectly cast mm-hmm. and the other one, I'm still not sure. Cha- about Chainsaw one. guy. The one, yeah. The one that was singing, I, I'm kind of like trying to figure him out still, okay. but no, that was, a, that was a strange scene. And I, I was kind of like, what is, I mean, in my mind, I was kind of like, what's going on with a little old, like, uh, it's almost yeah, like a play, box. almost like a player piano, the way yeah. the music was playing. Yeah. That was cool. And the coffee can, like it, it was yeah, very, on Jesse's uh, stomach. It's, yeah. It's, very much like what in the hell are they doing it is interesting so um basically they get it doesn't work uh, yeah it doesn't work first of all they go to chop chop it out of him with the chainsaw and then cassidy walks in presumably after his beer run and starts he he assumes that these guys are some more of the vampire hunters coming after him um what do you think of this fight scene Compared to some of last, I thought it was okay. Episode, yeah, it was okay. I liked, I liked that it was in a church and that they were like hitting each other with pews and like yeah. like ramming each other's faces into pews and like and like hymnals and stuff like that. It felt a lot more sloppy to me. It felt more it like did. a Jason Bourne than like a James Bond. Yeah, to it the felt, last and episode. I, part of that was probably just the maybe that was by design, kind of the chaos of the moment and yeah. like people slipping on blood and like you know awkwardly running around with a chainsaw. It was it was kind of fun, but I didn't feel as captivated as I was in the in the first season. Or first I'm sorry, episode. in the first episode, we're gonna do that a lot. Aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> in the first episode, the fight on the plane was so good. Like I, mm-hmm. I really liked that. It had it was well shot, and I thought it was well choreographed, and it was it was it was fun and interesting. And this one was definitely interesting, but I was kind of like, well, it didn't quite live up to the first episode, but that's cool. Yeah, it was still fun. Like it was. Uh, I'm, I'm watching these guys beat the shit out of each other in a church, and I was like, "Man, it's a vampire <laughs> <laughs> fighting these guys with chainsaws and, and hitting them in the face with books." And, and yeah, it it's not—it's of... not straying away from the sacrilege. That's no. for sure. 
Uh, we open up on the Toadvine Whorehouse, some kind of Quinn Cannon. It looks like the Quinn Cannon guys hang out there a fair yeah. amount. Uh, Tulip's there playing poker with a group of them. And uh, we learn a little bit more about her uncle, Walter, who we kind of briefly met, passed yeah. out in the first episode. And uh, she's also, we get a little bit more about, that's where we first learn about somebody named Danny who wants the map that she retrieved, our client of Danny. Uh, so a little bit more on Tulip there. Anything there that you that kind of stuck out? I don't really know that there was too much to chew on. No, not really. I think the other thing that Tulip is a little bit, I mean, her her relationship with Jesse and like what she wants him for, like we said, is getting a little bit worn out. But I think they've established by now that she's not your average girl. Yeah. <laughs> she's kind of a tough girl who lives, yep. on, grew up on the wrong side of the tracks maybe, and she's clearly, you know... Belongs to a different sort of lifestyle than Jesse currently wants for himself. Mm-hmm. I think they've made it clear enough by now. Like, I don't <laughs> need to see her running a table in poker or anything like that. Like in the next episode, I think we're going to see her like in a knife fight, like in a basement or something. And then she's got her hand tied. To yeah, the or she's playing Russian roulette. Like it's it's just going to be. It's kind of at the point where I'm like, okay, like we got it. Let's let's move because she's really interesting and, she, and the actress is really good. And I want to see. I want to see them go a little bit more with her. She so. needs more forward momentum. Yeah, and it's only episode two, so it's, yeah. it's fine. We've we fleshed out Cassidy and, and Jesse pretty well now. I think it's time to get a little bit more out of her yep. than just angrily driving away. Yeah. Uh, we cut back to Cassidy drinking some blood off of the floor, and he heals up. And then uh, he uh, I forgot to mention earlier in the episode that the that – Jesse told him that he they need to be on the level. Things need to be good. Cassidy needs to behave. No trouble. No trouble is what he says. So Cassidy goes to kind of clean up after the melee in the church uh, before uh, realizing that the sun is up and he can't go and bury the bodies. So that's the end of Act 3. Act 4 here, uh, Emily, the organist, finds Jesse on the floor of the church, uh, wakes him up to go spend some time with the Loach family, who we find out... Uh, their daughter is in a coma after some kind of massive head trauma. And while Jesse's giving some faithful words to the mother, she just it just kind of falls on her deaf ears because she's just kind of like, that's all well and good, but I still have to deal with this. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. It seems like yeah. it's, to me, it seems like it's a demonstration of Jesse kind of learning that regardless of how he seems like he's gotten to be a better preacher. There's a bigger turnout at the church. People are coming to get baptized. That's kind of a big step earlier in the episode compared to where we see him in the last episode, getting cut off by Emily because his sermon's going too long and that kind of thing. So, um, it seems like he's kind of learning that people need more than just the good faith I don't know exactly what to make of it yet. Um, it, it, like it's on, like it, it, I'll come back to this a little bit later on. Okay. So let's do that. Uh, we get more of Tulip trying to convince Jesse to join her for the job. Mentions it's for somebody named Danny. That's all of Act Four. So we got that point. And then finally, uh, yeah, and that was and Tulip basically like tases jesse on the road in the middle of the night and abducts him to a room seems like it's a pretty insane thing to do but jesse just sloughs it off as soon as she pops her head into the little yeah. window with a mask on he it's that's like true. he knows her shit that's true yeah so that's kind of 
It, you're still we're still learning things about Tulip through this. We're learning things about Tulip and Jesse, really. Yeah. But uh, it seems like they're treading water a little bit, trying to hold it back for later. Uh, so we open up on Act Five with Jesse trying to saw the shackle off of his leg, and it seems like Arseface has walked into his house and kind of tells him that he isn't feeling any different after his baptism, uh, and that seems that seems to strike a chord with Jesse and that it makes him understand that people won't change without an outside force. That's kind of what it rang to me because he immediately steps to go to the pedophile's house and do something about that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, did you get anything else out of that? Like, is it, I think, um, it also kind of ties in with the, the mother of the daughter who's in the coma. Yeah. Cause our, our space, I really like our space in the show. Yeah. Actually, it was just funny. Cause I think I just got done in our in our teaser even when we or when we first talked about the trailer saying how i really didn't like our space in the yeah. comic he's really endearing in the show and they, yeah. did, they did a great job casting this this kid who's just kind of like this you just feel bad for him he's mm-hmm. kind of pitiful and uh even though you do find out what why he is the way he is in this episode and it's it's really throwaway like the moment yeah but it kind of is in the book too and it's just like that's what happened and, and there you go and so you think, oh, that's a pretty bad, stupid thing to do. But you still just kind of pity him. And uh, I think that was that was an excellent job. But I think Jesse's kind of also, I do agree with what you said, but I think he's also kind of starting to realize how his job in many ways is almost kind of futile. Yeah. Like the, the best yep. he can do is exactly what he's telling people to do, to just hang in there. And so I think he's almost kind of sick of hearing his own shit in a way. Like you can't just hang in there and wait for it to happen, you know? Yeah. So... I think it's good. I think his his one on one scenes with Ars Face have been really good, which is yeah, a sentence Ar- I didn't think I'd be saying. Ars Face is this really like he's kind of the tender emotional center of the show. Yeah, somehow. which is ridiculous. Which is, yeah, but they, it's awesome. I think it is. It's really job. good. I think they've they've made they've made a character that's pretty one note and kind of stupid in the book uh, into something three dimensional and and really good. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to to seeing where else they go with him. So something we didn't mention earlier on is that Jesse keeps seeing the bus driver driving around town, and it kind of fills him with that rage that we spoke about earlier as well. Uh, so after this conversation with Eugene, or Ars Face, he uh, decides to go to the pedophile's house and shock him into changing or to stop his urges. And it ends up that... He uses his power to make this man forget the girl at the back of the bus. And um, it seems in this scene that he realizes he has this power for the first time. Yeah. He he gets kind of thrown back from uh, baptizing the guy and telling him to forget her. And he fully realizes, whoa, that was more than just me right now. Uh, how did you like that moment? Well, it's really interesting because I, in the first episode, I mean, he plainly has like some crazy encounter with something and he's out for like three days and we haven't seen him like stop to like really think about yeah. that at all. So we haven't, <clears throat> or even like say anything to anybody to even, it's not that he's particularly close with anyone either at this point. He asked Emily a few questions when he woke up, but that's yeah. really all. So he, he seems to have almost just chalked it up to just a bad night of heavy drinking or something. But I thought that was kind of strange. 
he seems like a pretty level-headed guy. So mm-hmm. you would think he would know when he's hit his limit of alcohol. But they also like quietly remark about the man opening his heart as well in the beginning mm-hmm. of this episode, and it seems like Jesse didn't really draw the connection between that interaction. Right. Maybe because it happened a couple states over or something like that. True. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we're we're at that point now where he realizes that something is is up, and I'm, got- I'm waiting for in the next episode, hopefully, for him to be like, "Whoa, maybe it was that." Something happened that night. Okay, so after that, Cassidy buries the strange men in their own trunk without telling Jesse about it, but then we also see the sheriff talking to those same men again. Mm-hmm. So, what the hell? <laughs> but I assume we'll learn more soon. Hope so. <laughs> you're, you're sick of not talking about it, kind of? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I was, I was Stevens just saying, uh, when we weren't recording yet, we were just talking, and I said that the, the comic moves at such a brisk pace like when it starts it just goes yep and and that's so refreshing it's really fun to read and just you're constantly moving along especially in the first few issues you you get to know all these people really quickly and it the story a combination of the storytelling and the art i mean it lets you know a lot about who these people are in a very short amount of time like but we're yeah. probably like three four issues in. you're like okay i got it mm-hmm. not, not even that long the, the first issue establishes them all pretty well so the show, I'm, it's moving at a respectable pace, I guess, but there, there are certain things where I'm kind of like, okay, like yeah. move a little more in this direction, yeah, accelerate things a little bit. But this episode, I did actually really feel the difference between the pilot and this episode. That, that extra half hour really makes a big difference. Yeah. This one felt really brief. Yeah, so, it, it absolutely which did. Which makes me more concerned, even, <laughs> even more so. I'm like, okay, we got to hit the gas because we're, we're two out of ten episodes down. Yeah. We've got a lot to do. Yeah. So. Um, and then after that, we've got Jesse heading back to the girl that's in a coma to attempt to use his powers to force her to open her her eyes. And then the episode cuts to black. So he realizes he's got a power. He's going to try and use it. He's starting to, uh, maybe try and play around with it and figure out what he can do with it. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. And and we will hopefully see more on that again soon. Um, so, one other thing I wanted to say that you touched on, uh, we did learn, one of our questions from the end of last podcast episode was was answered, uh, Ars Face tried to kill himself with a shotgun, that's why he is the way that he is, so one of those questions is already out of the way, but there's still a few more, we can go back, I'm going to make uh, a blog entry on our page that has all the questions and we'll track when they get answered and when they get asked. Cool. So I think that'll be good. So more on that next episode. Uh, what did you think of this episode overall? I liked it. I think it's a it's another good episode. I don't know if I liked it necessarily better than the first one. Yeah, they they both have their strengths. I think the first one had more standout scenes. It was uh, it was very interesting at times, and this one just kind of feels like it's it's moving us along to the next thing. It's a little bit more character here and there, mm-hmm. and there's a couple. There are a couple moments I like. I really loved. Cassidy like sitting down on the trunk and just watching the sun from like the safety of inside the church. There's a there was a there was a sadness to that moment. Absolutely, where he he's disappointed, kind of. And well, yeah, he's uh, obviously he's bummed out that he didn't get out there sooner to bury them. But I think that you know watching a beautiful sunrise and not being able to participate in it in any way is that's something true. that's a little sad, especially when we did get a definitive. You know, he said it, but spoilers, I guess. Cassidy is a 119-year-old vampire. Like, that that is true. And so thinking about all the ramifications that come with immortality, and there's a lot of real heavy ones. So I like that we kind of had that that kind of quiet moment with just him 
We've we've gotten some really interesting like one on one moments with Cassidy as as the viewer. Yeah. So it's kind of uh, it's kind of cool. Yeah. He feels like he's. There are mysteries with Tulip and there are mysteries with Jesse, but Cassidy's the one who seems like he's kind of above all the other characters in that he's withholding this remarkable thing that he is, and he also just isn't particularly invested in a lot. So it's you get that that feel that he's a guy who's used to drifting, mm-hmm. and the fact that he feels this bond with Jesse is really cool. Yeah, and he like to continually look out for him and stick his neck out, and because uh, I, I was kind of thinking more along the lines of Cassidy. Sometimes the way he is in the books, and when he took his keys and, and wallet and stuff, I was like, "Oh shit, he's he's leaving, he's bailing." That's what I thought initially. Mm-hmm. He was just taking his truck and getting the hell out of Dodge, and then he was going to turn around and come back for some reason. But I was like, "Oh no, he just went to get more hooch." So yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, also in line with his character. <laughs> uh, I I liked the second episode I think more than the first, just because I feel as though I can feel that the show start to get its own footing. Yeah, I feel it finding its own voice and inching towards something different and new, and that's awesome. That's always a good thing. And sometimes it takes shows a whole season to really get to that point. And I feel like the fact that it's starting to move there in episode two is yeah a good sign. That's true. But. I really liked the uh, the opening was really cool. Obviously, just really different. I like that for yeah. someone who's not informed. It's like, what the hell is this? And what mm-hmm. does that have to do with anything? Yeah, it's cool. Uh, I really missed the 90 minutes though. I I felt this felt brief to me and I kind of was like, I want a little bit more because I'm thinking about the first episode and I almost liked it better by default just because there was more. Yeah. Like it was really, I mean, it was essentially, it was almost a movie. Yeah, Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. So I I really liked that. It was almost as long as Jonah Hex. (laughs) It's true. Actually. John Hex is 83 minutes, I think. So maybe I it think was it, technically longer. Uh, yeah. Well, I think it was... Well, if, with including commercials, it was longer. <laughs> I guess so. But without commercials, it was not. So. Not quite to John Hex. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's. I, I think this was a good episode. I really... I'm, I'm really just antsy. I really do like it. I like how offbeat it is. I like how they're not shying away from, from being offensive, really, yeah. in some regards. And, and this is still pretty pretty light compared to where it could go and should go. Yeah. Um. The only the only real disappointment I still have with the show, and I know I said this during the show, and you were kind of like, you had this like kind of get over it tone to your voice, but <laughs> I really don't like how Jesse's power is uh, oh. is displayed. Yeah, I, I think it's I, I think it's cool that they do like the kind of close up, and they've modulated his voice a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think I mentioned it in episode one, and if I did, sorry, yeah, did. this would be the last time I really talk about it. But I, I, the 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 cue in the books is like I, I've, the, the font is a little bit different. But his eyes are red, uh-huh. and it's this really cool red where, like, it's just the whites. Like, he still has his pupils and and everything, and it's just it's almost like you could imagine it just being this glow that would just yeah. come there for a briefest of seconds and then leave. And I think it was a great great way to signify because he yells at people all the time in the books, and you don't know if he's using the word or not. Yeah, except for when his eyes are red. So in the show, I feel like it's gonna get a little corny if we just keep seeing these close ups of Dominic Cooper's mouth. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I kind of just want the flash of of something visual. To also make the characters in the show kind of go like, "Whoa, what the? What was that? Did you see that kind of yeah. thing?" Because I always like that they they have those moments like, "What was that?" Um, I'm well, well, we'll get to what we think or questions we have that kind of thing. Yeah, so I have a list of questions here that we can add on to last episode's questions. Obviously, number one is who is the mysterious man from 1881, which mm-hmm. you know, but uh, we as the general audience do not. Uh, Cassidy actually actually asks a question to Jesse. He says, "Who taught Jesse to fight? Who taught you to fight?" And so he asks him. He says, "Did your dad?" And he yeah. Says, no. And he says, "No, someone it was someone else." else. So, 
that's something that we'll need yep. to, to learn about. <laughs> um, so what were the two men trying to do to Jesse? It seemed like some kind of extraction ritual, but mm. what were they trying to do and why were they trying to do it? So I think that's something that's big. Uh, what's up with Queen Cannon and meat and packing? They seem somewhat non sequitur so far in terms of like, I don't see how they fit in. Like, I feel like it's almost setting up to be some kind of conflict with Jesse and his crew, but I don't know how or why yet. I think you're kind of in the dark a little bit about it too, maybe because it's so early. No, no. Yes you... and no. I think I, I know what, what function they'll serve. Okay. All right. Not when I expect it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, and then, uh, there might be a few more here as well. I think there were one or two that I thought of during the show that I forgot to write down. Uh, one of the other questions I had is when is, when is Jesse going to learn about the strange men who tried to kill him? Like when is Cassidy going to tell him about that? You think, but it makes sense because it seems Cassidy thinks that they were after him. It's true. So maybe he feels that like he needs to not tell Jesse, but it seems like something that you might want to tell. Like they were clearly trying to chop him up. Like it's, you know, so yeah. I think that might be important too. But did you have anything else that you wanted to add to that? I'm just, uh, I'm really excited and curious to see how the ending of this episode is going to play out. Because we know that when Jesse commands someone to do something, it can be taken extremely literally. Yeah. And so I think that the potential for something horrifying to happen always exists. It's yeah. like when we were watching the pilot and he said, that to that guy yeah, and you, I started you laughing. immediately like oh this isn't <laughs> gonna I go said, well yeah exactly and i was like this will be real nasty <laughs> and so as soon as he said it's a very cool moment in the show and it did absolutely i didn't realize that was the end of the episode and then the credits are rolling and i was like oh yeah that was good but i'm really curious how it's gonna play out after her eyes are gonna snap open and she's gonna be like a zombie still or he has to figure out the nuances of what he can do yeah so it's so far it's being done in a relatively humane way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but against, we'll, against the source material. So we'll, we'll see. We'll I don't see think what it'll else. Last. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited. I think that's good. At first, I was a little bit put off by the end of the first episode by mm-hmm. kind of being like, "This has deviated heavily already." But I'm kind of more open to where I think it's going now. That's but good. I, I have some conditions. Yeah. So we'll see. In, a, in we'll see if they meet the. We'll conditions. see in eight weeks if, if yeah, the conditions have been met. <laughs> But so far, so good. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm impressed to say the least. And I never want anything negative. I say should should be, uh, should be understood that this is remarkable that we're even talking about a, sh- a preacher show, yeah. and that it is as good as it is, yeah, and that it's on, yeah. Cable. I, remember, <laughs> I remember hearing about this being developed like numerous times, like six years ago. Like I think it's, Mark- it, they've been working on it since like the early two thousands. I think. All right. I want one thing I want you to do. Here's your homework for this week. <laughs> Me? I want you, yes, Nick. Okay. I want you to go through a few different Steve Dillon comics and give me screenshots <laughs> of Dillon face because I'm going to make a link. It's not available yet, so don't go there yet, but I'm going to make a link, g2tpodcast.com slash Dillon face, so people can go and see what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. I think I think that would, just to kind of illustrate and show people what we mean. Okay. So I think that would be good. Check out some Punisher comics. Do some Preacher. Oh, yeah. we. I think we even talked about it in the previous episode that yeah. John Bernthal is basically a walking Dylan walking face. Walking Dylan face, yeah. yeah. I'll put him in there, too. Oh, yeah. No, so. I'll, I can even... I'll find a panel where it looks like John Bernthal and I'll okay. just say, here you go, because like, they're, they're there. 
All right. Oh, it's so good. It's great. I'm trying to think <laughs> of something to compare it to, and there's really nothing else quite like it. Because it's not bad. That's the thing. It's like it's kind of stupid. Yeah. And you kind of laugh. Like and you're like, first, I was I was gonna bring up um, '90s comics guy Big Rob Barrel Liefeld. Ch- Rob yeah, Liefeld yeah. is who I was gonna bring up. But that's totally but fair because that's bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it it is it is interesting because good good artists. It's not just about the actual like raw aesthetic, but it's about how they can use space and and dim- three dimensionality and and how they can draw action. Somebody once called out Steve Dillon on, I think it was on Reddit, actually. They're like, oh, Steve Dillon sucks. Somebody posted, there's a, there's a really famous panel from a Punisher account from Welcome Back, Frank, where he gets thrown into an enclosure in the zoo, and he punches out a polar bear. <laughs> and it's really awesome. <laughs> and he just slugs it. And anyway, somebody, I think it was one of those panels, and, the, and somebody was pointing out, like, oh, I love this panel. And everyone's like, yeah, it's so great. Welcome Back, Frank is so fun. And somebody's like, oh, Steve Dillon sucks. And everybody, like, piled on him, like, why? Because of Dillon face? Like, that we love Dylan Face, first of all. But B, he's like he's a great artist because his uh he's I mean, there's certain things where A, if you if you have a brand that strong where you can just look at something and go, Oh, Steve Dylan drew that for better or for worse. Yep. It's kind of a thing. Yeah. I mean Rob Liefeld has like now notorious for he actually did a lot of good things for comics, but he's kind of bad. Yeah. So it's kind of funny that that's turned into like a joke. Yep. There's a novelty uh, Rob Liefeld Twitter account that I follow, and it's so good. It's hilarious. It's really good. But it's the same way that you can call like you can call a Tim Burton movie when you're looking at a frame. Sure, yeah. And, that. and some people don't like it. They'll be like, oh, I hate that Tim Burton. Exactly. Or even like, I mean, this is this is a little extreme, and it always elicits a groan from somebody in the room, but it's just you and me, so I'll know who it is. <laughs> but uh, like Michael Bay, even. like There's there's a trademark, there's a hallmark look to Michael Ugh. Bay. And you yeah, see, <laughs> oh, I knew it, it's you. But there are certain things where you just like you see, you'll see a frame and you're like, "Who directed this?" And you'll know. You're yep. Like, okay, what what is there? There's a sunset in the background. Yeah, when you're watching there's... when you're watching a fight scene and there's 35 million cuts, it's Michael Bay. <laughs> no, I think there's directors that are way more guilty of, no, of cutting are. than him. But he just has a look and he has a feel. Mm-hmm. And once you, there's certain things like once I started working more and, and and studying film a little bit more, I would watch some scenes from from a lot of you know whoever. But there was a I watched a scene from Bad Boys and I was like. Now that I was a little bit more in the know of how what makes something something different or stand out, I was I was just noticing the way this scene was like blocked and and staged and the way it was lit and everything, and I was like, whoa! Like yeah. there's a lot of design and skill that went into this throwaway scene of just two guys talking. Yep, and that's really cool. And then again, it kind of goes back to the same thing about great comic art. If it's if you don't notice it necessarily as as someone who's just casually reading or something, that means they're doing their job. Yeah, I suppose in a way. Yeah, it just depends. So in a long, yeah, basically the whole point is Steve Dillon. Dillon face is really funny. It is yeah. a real thing, but it's he is actually a really good artist. Like there's there's part of the reason the preacher is or preacher is so good is because of Steve Dillon. So follow us on Facebook or Twitter. I will tweet out when g two t podcast dot com slash Dylan face is available <laughs> if you want to see it because uh, I think it will be a good uh, utility to illustrate what we're what we're talking about. Yeah, nobody and, on the uh, show so far has Dylan face. Yeah. So Yeah, not sorry, quite. unfortunately. <laughs> John Bernthal is not is not involved in the show. Nope. Yet. All right. So once again you can find more of our episodes of our podcast on G2Tpodcast.com. That's the letter G, the number two, the letter T podcast.com. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music. You can subscribe and rate and review us there. Please do that. That'll bring us up in the rankings. We'll get more listeners, and then we can spend more time making the show even better than it already is. We're also G2T Podcast on Twitter, and you can email us at g2tpodcast at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts about AMC's Preachers so we can read them on air. 
That's corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. If you want to hear Nick and I talk about a film, uh, about film, not a film, sometimes a film, but talk about film with a few, yeah, with a few other friends, be sure to check out the Midwest Film Nerds podcast at MidwestFilmNerds.com. And then we at the Midwest Podcast Network also have a video game podcast called the Midwest Game Nerds Podcast. Check that out at MidwestGameNerds.com. And finally, our theme music is the song All In by a band called The Red Thread, and we're using it under a non-commercial Creative Commons license. So you can check out a link to more of their stuff on G2TPodcast.com in any of the posts on our episodes. So next week, episode three, I think it's called The Possibilities. Hmm. Uh, And uh, supposedly I heard that it might be airing at 8 o'clock. So they're really screwing with the time slot on the show. They did 10 for the first pilot airing, and then I think they did 9 for the second pilot airing. And now they did 9 for this episode, and then they could do 8 for the next one. I don't know if that's true. I just saw it real quickly on Reddit. So check your local listings if you want to catch Preacher, but uh, keep an eye out for that. Hopefully you all are DVRing it anyway, so it doesn't matter. But we'll be back next week with another episode of Gone to Texas. And for now, Kyle XY, go watch Preacher.